This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Do it badly. Do it slowly. Do it fearfully. Do it any way you have to. But do it. Steve Chandler. We didn't know how to pronounce the name of the town and we kept calling it Wayzata. Uh, and that turns out to be a fun thing to scream out over the lake in the middle of the night. Um, it does wake the kids up and rile your partners, but nonetheless, we enjoyed it. Uh, so when our neighbors said, are you the ones yelling the town name wrong? And we said, yes. Um, we figured that was as good a name as any for, a, for this new company that we were gonna start. So Wayzata is that's the town that we thought we were in when we bet on ourselves and started a company. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Muir Pod. Welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guest who comes to us courtesy of one of our past guests and friend of the pod, Jeff Legend Garmeyer. Just like he did with Cameron Peterson a few weeks back, Legend reached out and said that I had to have our guest tonight come on and talk. 
Legend, I really hope you're not counting on a referral fee or anything, because uh, if so, you might be sorely disappointed. So we reached out, and I think our listeners are really going to enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to the John Freaking Muirpod, Adam Ward from Wayzata. Hey, Doc. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. How's it going? Whew, I, uh, I moved to England about a month ago, so um, other than developing a thick accent and a love for tea, uh, nothing much is, uh, is changing. We're doing great. Yeah, I can barely understand you with that thick English accent now. <laughs> oh. How's the family adjusting to, to life across the pond? So far, so good. We're learning, learning a new vocabulary over here. Um, day one, they offered my daughter an orange squash at the restaurant. And so we're thinking like butternut, like Thanksgiving. Uh, no, that means juice. Oh. Ah, so a whole different language, despite being English, it turns out. Nice. Well, feel free to sprinkle those uh, idioms throughout the, the interview tonight just for entertainment value. Done. Okay. Hey, on the podcast, we usually go by trail names. So I go by Doc. That's not on my paycheck or my driver's license. Um, have you happened to pick up a trail name along the way? Not yet. Nope. Okay. Then you are Adam. Your trail name is Adam today. Done, I guess. Okay. <laughs> hey, Adam, have you had a chance to listen to the podcast at all? Yeah, we've, we've gone through a couple of past episodes. It's been great. Fantastic. I only ask because I want to make sure that you are aware of a, of a segment towards the end of the episode called the Pro Tip Inside of the Week. And that's why I will turn to you and ask you to share some, some wisdom uh, for our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So don't be surprised when we get there. All right. I'll have that in the back of my mind while I'm paying attention here. We'll see if I see what comes together. It's a lot of pressure. I know. And uh, because you're on the podcast, by the time we get down to the, the end of the episode, you are going to be a pro at all this stuff. So, uh, you know, you're expected to share your wisdom. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. My very first podcast. So I'll be a veteran by the time we get to the end. That's right. That's right. Hey, uh, a segment that I've, I've thrown in that you have no idea about is uh, something just recently I've, I've started doing, and I call it current event. And so I, was, I was scan through the, the headlines uh, occasionally and look for things that apply to the outdoors and uh, adventure. And I know that a lot of what you do is focused on, um, you know, running marathons, ultra runs, um, and, and the products that Wayzata um has in its inventory. And so I, I thought I'd take a look at some, some current events out there having to do with running. So I've got a couple for you just, and we're just going to talk about them, get your, get your reaction sure. and see what you think about this. I just saw a headline last night, actually, uh, about the dopey challenge record being set. Do you know what the dopey challenge is? The dopey challenge. I assume this is not one of the seven dwarves going for a run. It, well, you're close. It is one of the seven dwarves, the, the magic kingdom, uh, Disney World, they have a, a, uh, a running event every year annually for the last 29 years, and they have a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, and a full marathon, and they happen on consecutive days. So it goes, you know, the shortest race on the oh, first day and the, the last race on the, on, the, on the fourth day, the marathon. And so uh, never in the history of the 29 years has anybody won each one of those races. I mean, one, one, a single person won each one of the races in a, uh, a single year. And that, that record fell this year with Brittany Charbonneau, 33 years old from Denver. She ran and won all four events on consecutive days. So it totals up to 48.6 miles. Yeah. So she's, so that's a, 
Does that make you an ultra marathon winner? If you stretch it out over four events like that, you know, ultra marathons, that's a good question. Ultra marathons, typically, you know, they're finishing, uh, longer than a day, depending on the length of the race. So I, I think this might qualify. Yeah. The, the, it could be the dopey ultra or the, uh, the quadruple crown of, uh, Disney quadruple crown. That's, that's perfect. That's great. And you know what, as an added bonus, she ran in costume for each race as a Disney character. Who's the fastest Disney character, would you think? Well, her, her, uh, her outfit for the full marathon, she was Cruella DeVille. Yeah, I was thinking uh, a Dalmatian would be faster than Cruella. You'd hope to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it must, I mean, she was in full costume, so it must have been really tough in those high heels. <laughs> I don't know anyone who's ever run in a fur before. Uh, well, you know, Legend got us on the podcast, and he, he'd probably be the one if anybody has. Yes, I agree with that. He, he loves his fur coats there. So, hey, I also saw another headline a couple weeks back. It was uh, having to do with the Desert Solstice Track Invitational. And I guess this is an ultra. And it is like, uh, it struck me as kind of like the, the uh, Le Mans of uh, track running because it's 24 hours, you know, 24 hours at yeah, Le Mans yeah. driving for 24 hours. So, they have a couple of different events. They had a couple of different records. They had um, the 24-hour record was set by Nick Curry, and he ran 173.01 miles in 24 hours. I don't like driving that far in 24 hours. <laughs> that's a long drive, right? Yes, that's that's crazy. And then I guess they also have, they, they measure uh, when you get to 100 miles, who has the fastest time. And so David Laney, Set a hundred mile time of 12 hours, 34 minutes and 59 seconds. And on the women's side, Camille Heron set uh, her hundred mile time was at 13 hours, 21 minutes, 51 seconds. So, you know, hundred miles in, in 12 or 13 hours, that, that, that just sounds painful. I can't, uh, man, I don't know if I've ever done anything for 24 hours, let alone, you know, something physical and put my body to the test like that. That's outstanding. And one extra wrinkle here, it, it's the track invitational, Desert Solstice track invitational. So I have to imagine that these were laps around a track. Oh, damn, man, that sounds, <sighs> doesn't that sound monotonous? 24 hours? Oof. Well, Mind-numbing. After, after what, five, six hours of that, then I think your, your brain is really focused on shutting out how it feels instead of uh, just keeping the left turns going. Yeah, you know, I'd like to reach out to Nick Corey, who, who ran 173 miles and talk to him about uh, whether or not he hallucinated in, in the, the end part of that race, because, you know, exhaustion, same thing over and over again. I had to imagine that some crazy things were going through his mind. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're, you're out trail running, at least the scenery changes and you have to not, right, you got to stay on the trail, make the next aid station, like you've got something in your mind that's not 400 more meters around or something like that is that's I'm picturing high school track. Yes. I mean, you're, you're on the lookout for, you know, a Puma or a bear lurking around the, the next tree. And... <laughs> yeah. It gives you something to dream about at least. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, what could Wayzata produce for those, those two events, the, uh, the dopey challenge and the, uh, the desert solstice track invitation, 173 miles. Yeah, well, so as Doc, as you know, you know we take the, the runs that people complete uh, and we take their GPX tracks and we turn them into 3D objects so they can take them home, show them to their friends and family, take them to the office and brag, brag it up a little bit for what they're proud of. Um, 
boy, 173 miles around a 400 meter oval. Yeah, that would be an interesting, interesting uh, ways out of product it, right but there. It's not going to look like my <laughs> big flat rectangle. <laughs> and we're going to get more into the ways out of experience in just a little bit here, but just wanted sure. to, uh, <laughs> I, I, was, I was thinking of what that might look like. And uh, yeah, you're right. It's not too exciting. Okay. Hey, another feature we've been doing this season is the must bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, Outdoor Vitals. And here's how it works. Typically, we've done this for, for hikes. We could adapt this for, uh, for running as well. Take it however you want, Adam. We'll, we'll, we'll make it work. But if you were to let your stranger pack your bag uh, with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, for an ultra marathon, for whatever it might be, um, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So, Adam, what's your must-bring piece of gear? So. For me, um, backpacking, I'm going to go life straw. Um, and of course, that's a smart thing to take with you for any number of reasons. Um, but I'm actually picking life straw because part of their business model is their corporate giving. Um, so every life straw that you're buying is also contributing to people around the world getting access to clean water. Uh, and my day job is uh, as a professor of civil engineering, and I study water resources and how to clean it up and make sure that we're uh, giving both people and the environment uh, water resources. So for me, it's it's life straw, but it's as much about its utility as what it does by making that purchase. Wow, your personal life, personal life, your professional life, and your pro your uh, your must bring piece of gear are all in perfect alignment. That's fantastic. One sweet spot in that Venn diagram, and that's where the life <laughs> straw sits for me. <laughs> fantastic. Hey, uh, before we get too far down the trail here, let's let's back up a little bit and uh, talk about your your background, where you grew up, what kinds of sports and hobbies you were involved in uh, as a as a child in high school, and how you got involved in the outdoor adventure cult. What what was the path that led you to here? Let's hear the origin story. Sure. Uh, well, you might hear my some of those long O's from the Upper Midwest. Um, so I grew up in Michigan's Lower Peninsula and then lived in the Upper Peninsula for several years as well. Um, you don't always think of that as an outdoor Mecca compared to, you know, being up in the Northeast or the Pacific Northwest are kind of the, the Rockies. Um, but, you know, flyover country has some gems. And so we grew up in Michigan, going to the lake, hiking, backpacking, um, camping, snowshoeing, skiing in the wintertime. We were outdoors all four seasons. Um, and yeah, so I grew up you know, we didn't grow up in a family that did these, you know, epic multi-day backpacking trips. We were a, you know, car camping and day at the beach kind of family. Um, but that meant I grew up with weekends being outdoors, hike here, climb that sand dune, you know, build a fort in that forest. Uh, and so that's, yeah, that's how I was raised. And that's, we've just stuck with it. And so whatever, whatever mom and dad did, of course, we wanted to um, we being my sister and I wanted to, you know, 10 exit. So mom and dad camp, we're going to backpack. Mom and dad had mountain bikes. We're going downhill mountain biking, or we're going to go on, you know, ramps. Right. And uh, yeah, so that's, that pushed us into, uh, pushed us into hiking. And so you said just one sister, is it you and a sister? Or you have other siblings? Just myself and a sister. Yeah. Okay. Are yep. you older or is she older? She's older, which means I got dragged along for lots of things I was probably uh, too young for in the moment. Uh, and surely that has shaped me in a really positive way. 
And is she also involved somehow in her personal or professional life with outdoor adventure like you? Um, no, not so much. Uh, she's, she's trended toward more of being a, a city person. Um, but she does have the entrepreneurship gene. So she, um, if you've been to a wedding with a photo booth, you've likely, um, been in one that my sister owns the company for. Oh, wow. Okay. So she started doing photo booths at wedding events, um, oof, back in the like 2006 or 2007. Um, so she caught that wave and, uh, yeah. So she's actually been a mentor for me with Wayzata in terms of entrepreneurship and how do you take something that's an idea then a hobby and turn it into something you can make a living on. Right. And now with the proliferation of cell phones that have cameras on them and different social media apps with all kinds of different filters and, you know, add-ons, is, has that impacted her, her photo booth business? Is um, there a next, is there a next wave to catch for her? Yeah. I mean, they keep evolving. So, you know, as the technology changes, the, the events that she does and the products that she puts out don't look anything like they did um, boy, 15 years ago or so, I guess. The one of the neat things they do now is uh, there's like a platform you stand on it and then a camera swings around you in 360 and it creates these really cool images um, that people just get a huge kick out of. It makes you look like a rock star. Yeah, you've got to continually evolve. You can't just sit, rest on your laurels and, and say, you know, this is the end all be all. It's never going to change. Uh, you can just ask Blockbuster Video on that one. Yeah. <laughs> is there anyone there still to ask? I, that's a good question. I think there's <laughs> one store left in Alaska. I think there's a, a documentary on that. I saw but, that too. Yeah. yeah. Funny, funny. And Ooh. we, you know, uh, Michigan, we've had a number of people talk about uh, spending some time in Michigan and doing some adventures out there. So it's not just flyover country. Like you said, you're right. There's uh, there's plenty to be done in, in Michigan. Yeah, I think I think Buzz from FKT shares uh, Michigan roots with me as well. Okay. Did you listen to that one? Uh, not the, not on the podcast. No, I just uh, happen to know him. So, Oh, cool. Very cool. Jackson, uh, Jackson Perel. Don't know. No. Okay. All right. That, well, that uh, was, you talking about buzz and Woody who did the calendar year triple crown. Uh, no. Um, oh, maybe am I, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking of um, buzz who runs fastestknowntime.com. Oh, maybe different people, maybe different people. I heard Buzz in my mind immediately went to a, a recent interview with Buzz and Woody on the, the calendar year Triple Crown. Buzz, Buzz Burrell, right? B-U-R-R-E-L-L? No, this is uh, Buzz, is, Buzz is the trail name and his real name ah. is Jackson Parell, P-A-R-E-L-L. Ah, I gotcha. Very close though. <laughs> I mean, if this is horseshoes, we'll take it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. So in addition to, uh, to camping, um, and, and hiking, are you also involved in running? Yeah. Well, I try to be, I'm not, not nearly as good as the customers that we have. Mm -hmm. Um, so I am, uh, my longest, my longest run, I must admit is just over a half marathon. So I'm not, uh, I have not a guy who's putting up epic paces or epic distances, um, but running's the way I stay sane, um, and has been a fun hobby for me. Done some, a lot of backpacking with my, um, with my wife and my, uh, my partner in Wayzata and I, um, go out pretty regularly where I mountain bike and he trail runs. Um, and you would think that might not work because on the downhills I can just crush him. Right. Mm -hmm. But there is no worse feeling 
than someone running past you while you are in low gear trying to pedal your way up a steep incline. Um, and so we get a, we get out quite a bit uh, on the weekends and do these sort of combination hike, uh, hike, bike, trail run weirdness to kill a Saturday. Nice. Yeah, I know. I, I, I can commiserate a little bit because we have a local trail that allows both uh, hikers, runners and and uh, mountain bikers. And I was hiking and I was going I was trying to maintain a pretty good clip and I could hear this mountain biker behind me. And I'm like, OK, I'm going to stay to this side of the trail. I'm going to wait for him to or I'm going to I'm anticipating he's going to pass me at some point. And I just heard the grinding of the gears for like 20 minutes. And he never made any any significant progress on me on this particular section of the trail. I think, oh, man, that, that has to be a little bit demoralizing that the guy walking in front is going faster while you're on a bike. It does. It does make you think like in, uh, you know, in cyclocross, you'll see the guys like just throw their bike over their shoulder and hop over the mud. It kind of makes you feel like doing that when a runner is passing you on a bike. Yeah. I'll, I'll show you. I'll just, I'll, I'll just carry my bike and, and run, exactly. run faster than you. Yeah. Nice. I also have a, a nephew who was in Lake, the Lake Tahoe area a few years back and he was uh, doing some mountain biking and he is not an expert mountain biker uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but he decided he was going to go on this particular course. I, I'm, I'm planning on having him and my other nephew who was uh, his cousin uh, was there at the same time come on the podcast and, and tell the stories. I'm going to do a really bad job of it, but uh, he ended up uh, crashing and uh, being knocked unconscious. And uh, the paramedics had to, when they finally got there, they had to uh, use his, his finger to unlock his phone while he was unconscious. So they could finally, they could call somebody uh, to, to come meet them at the hospital. Yeah. But uh, it, wow. it, it sounds like a pretty intense story. It was an intense story, but there are a lot of, of funny moments to that story that uh, we're going to share in an upcoming episode. <laughs> make, make light of, of my, my nephew and his, his issues uh, all in, all in good fun though. <laughs> well, once now that we know that, now that we know that it ends as a positive outcome, that's uh, right. You know, then there's a, a worthwhile story to hear. That's right. All right. Hey, I see in our notes here, we've got something about the Goggins challenge. Yeah. What, so, what, um, what is that exactly? I know, I know David Goggins is uh, hmm very motivational, inspirational fitness guy. And uh, I, I just know a little bit about him, but tell me about the Goggins challenge and how, how you, it's connected to you or yeah, your, so your involvement with it. Goggins challenge is, is actually kind of how our company started. Um, so my partner, Robert um, in Wayzata has uh, he, this was the first, the first summer of COVID. And so that's when we thought being locked down for a handful of months was going to be a rough go of it. Uh, and so he got a group of our neighbors together and said, Hey, I, I heard about this Goggins challenge. Are you in? And he wouldn't tell you what it was. You had to say you were in first. That's Robert. And so you say, yes, when he proposes an adventure and you have no idea. Yeah, I'm in four miles every four hours for 48 hours. So you start on you basically start after work on Friday and you finish dinner time on Sunday. Uh, and you got to, you need to clock four miles every four hours for that whole stretch, uh, which means you end up running just under two full marathons in two days. Wow. It, you know, at first, at first blush, I'm not, I'm not sure what to think of that. Okay. Four, four miles in every four hours. Okay. I mean, you could do, do four miles in, in roughly, you know, 35 to 40 minutes. And then you've got three, three hours to three hours plus to recover, but then you got to do it again and again and again. And yeah, it's not, somehow work in some sleep, right? 
Yeah, it's not it's not the four miles that kills you, right? Because right. as you say, like you could go out and I mean, you could walk four miles, right? And you've still got three hours left over. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that that you know what did we do? Like six p.m., ten p.m. 10 p.m. is not bad, right? That's a late run, but 10 p.m. is not too awful. It's the two in the morning is the rough one. Um, And I think there was a group of, well, I want to say there were seven or eight people who all did this together. Um, We only had one person who overslept, uh, but he did wake up before the next four hour chunk started. So he ran out, cranked his four hours and then had like a 30 minute break and then had to crank his next four miles. Um, But everybody made it to the finish line. That's fantastic. Were you sore afterwards? Days. <laughs> <laughs> That's just, it's not something that your body's used to. Um, but I think that, I think we, we, Robert got onto it because uh, Goggins was trying to figure out how to train for races like the Moab 240, where you're mm-hmm. running at weird hours of the night and having to build up endurance for it. And uh, so that was, I think, one of the ways he kept his own training interesting was doing a challenge like that. Yeah. I've talked to a couple of guys who, who have done the Moab 240. And in my opinion, any race that has the numerals 240 at the end of it, I am steering <laughs> far clear of that. Oh, it's amazing. That's so impressive though. Like that type of athleticism is just, it's so different, right? And it's not mm-hmm. a type of athleticism that we celebrate so often. Um, you know, there's not, there's not the Super Bowl equivalent necessarily for those ultra marathoners and those, I mean, at 240, can we still call it an ultra? What's after ultra? Like a Google marathon? <laughs> Insanity marathon. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the two guys that I talked to, uh, they actually met at the Moab 240, became fast friends, and then decided that they were going to um, trail run the John Muir Trail because uh, it was Gabe and Kevin. And mm-hmm. Kevin, I actually found out later you know, just, just recently, they actually started off uh, this season. They were the, the first episode this season in a, a return appearance on the podcast. And I found out from, from Gabe that Kevin is like one of the premier 200 mile runners in the country, in the world. And uh, I looked him up and sure enough, man, he, he is really impressive. So Kevin Goldberg, he, he's out there running 200s. He's finishing in the top five. It's, it's just, it's crazy. But they decided they were going to fast pack or they were going to uh, trail run the, the John Muir trail because Gabe's wife only gave them seven days to do it. So I said, Oh, we can do that. I mean, we, we run two forties, right? We do that, do that in a weekend. We can do the John Muir trail in, in seven days. No problem. So they get to the John Muir trail in the Sierras in California and quickly realize that the terrain is not going to allow them to, to run it, but they still only have seven days. So they actually finished the trail in, I think, less than six days. I think it was like five hours and 20, five, five days and 23 hours. And because they couldn't, I mean, you can, you can only do that distance in that short of time by either running it fast or by having long days. And so they yeah. actually came to the, the realization that they're going to have to be waking up at 2 a.m. And, and hiking until, you know, 10 p.m. for, for a number of days. And they, oh. they got it done, but uh, not, not quite what they expected. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I'm just, I'm so impressed by the people in this community who are out just cranking out miles and putting their body through things that I just, it's hard for me to even fathom that I could do it, let alone that I could train for it and be successful at it. Yeah. I have to imagine that train, you know, I know firsthand that training for a marathon, that is, that is 
almost a, as daunting a task to do all the training and be prepared than the actual marathon itself. I mean, that is a serious commitment of, you know, it's always weighing on you. I've got to get out tomorrow morning and do this many miles. I've got to get out this weekend and do this many miles. As soon as you finish a run, you're thinking about when the next training run is and how much you have to do and what the weather conditions are going to be and, you know, everything else. And so to train for a 240, the Moab 240, I mean, that's, that's just got to be ridiculous. I don't, I mean, is it, is it even, you know, I, I think about marathon training and you've got, you've got your charts of your miles and like this one's a tempo and that one's a recovery. But when you're, when you're getting ready to put on hundreds of miles in the course of what, four days or so, I mean, three days, like, I don't, could you train for that? Or do you just, you must just have to constantly you just have to get your body to high mileage, right? Like you can't, you know, my marathon friends are like, oh, it's Saturday. It's my long run day. And they're, you know, they're cranking out 20 miles, which is right. no joke, but they're doing it once a week and booking it. Like you can't block out 200 mile chunks of your week, right? No, no, you can't. You can't. And I think when I talked to, to Kevin and Gabe, they, they confirmed that. I said, look, on a, a marathon training program, usually your, your longest run you'll do it just once is maybe a 22 miler. And then, you know, you never run the full distance prior to the race. You do the 26, you know, adrenaline and, and race day is going to get you through the last, you know, four miles that you hadn't done before. But I have yeah. to imagine you, you can't even get close to 240. I mean, your body's going to break down. If you, if you're to do a training run of 200 miles, I mean, you, you got to recover, you know, I don't know how long it takes to recover from that. So I think, I think they said that their, their longest run is maybe, you know, 30, 35 miles in preparing for the, the 240. And then it's just fitness and willpower at that point. Yes, man. It's gotta be. I just saw, I'm blanking on the name. Um, a gentleman who's put on, I think he was going on over a hundred weeks of um, hundred mile weeks that he's been, that he's been cranking out like that. I mean, that's the kind of like sustained, fitness load that you must have to get to, to, to start tackling these events. Right. hundred mile weeks. That's, that's insane. That, you know, marathon training that I hit maybe 35, 37 during the, during the, the long run weeks, but to do a hundred for a hundred consecutive weeks. Whew. Yes, I know. I'm, I'm more like, if I'm going for one of these challenges, I'm more like the um, mile run streak, right? Like how many days in a row can I get one mile on my shoes? Yes. Probably my speed. Yep. We can do that. Nice. Hey, I also, I, I want to go back to uh, your move to England and your profession and how you pay the bills. I think I glossed over that a little bit. Oh yeah. I think, I think you mentioned you were, uh, is it engineering professor? Uh, yeah. So I'm a, I'm a civil engineer, um, and have, uh, have a doctorate in that. Mm -hmm. Um, so as my wife would say, a doctor, but not the kind that helps people. I know the uh, feeling. <laughs> but uh yeah so i'm a i'm a professor at indiana university that's mm -hmm. the that's the day job um and so i study water resources and infrastructure how to how to clean up pollution um from the world around us and not put it there in the first place um yeah and we are in england now for just under a year um i've got a a fulbright fellowship to be here so the good folks at the university of birmingham are hosting us um, yeah. And we're here because in terms of excellence in water resources, this is the place to be if you're going to be in Europe. Um, yeah. So we're super excited about it. Um, uh, my, my partner, my two kiddos moved along and 
we are just buckled up saying, hey, we have this amazing opportunity to go on an adventure. It's, the, it's a perk of this job that most people will never get to have. Um, let's go all in. So when they asked, you know, do you want to stay for the full year? Yes, please. Right. We're in. Kids are getting enrolled in school. They are um, somewhat disappointed that they don't need wands or owls like Harry Potter did. Um, but they're getting over that part. And uh, yeah, school starts Monday. And I am just hoping that my eight year old comes home with a strong accent because I think that would be outstanding. Fantastic. Now, what does a Fulbright Fellowship recipient do while, you're, while he's over there? <laughs> yeah. So um, this is a, this is a award that's based on research. So uh, in essence, I, you know, society has invested in my ability to scratch my chin and try to get out ahead of problems that we aren't even sure how to tackle them yet. Um, for me, that means um, water in rivers and streams and thinking about how new kinds of pollution and climate change intersect to sometimes give us conditions we don't expect to see. Um, so examples of that are when wildfires happen, then it rains, um, like we've just seen out, uh, out in Colorado. Uh, all of that burnt material gets washed into rivers and comes downstream. But everybody drinks out of that river, right? So when do you have to shut the wastewater or the water plant off? right? When is it unsafe to drink the water? How long until it recovers? Is climate change going to make this more frequent and we need to get an early warning system in place? Um, so what we're working on here are, we're working on strategies to basically ask, what do you need to measure in rivers and when and where do you measure it to have some forecasting ability? So right now we're pretty responsive, like weather happens and then we cope with it. And we'd like to get to something that's a little more proactive, like you could empty out some reservoirs so they could hold the floodwaters when it arrives. You could bring new treatment processes online to help clean up the water only when you need them instead of constantly running it when it's not necessary. So that's kind of kind of my end of the world is water infrastructure and making it smarter, more proactive. Yeah, don't don't say end of the world. It's a little too close to home at this point. So. <laughs> All right. Hey, thank you, Adam. And you know what? I just thought, you know, you, you also qualify as doc. So it could be doc talking to doc. Well, I don't know. I don't know. There's a, that's a big uh, that's a big title for me to have to take on, especially here with the original. We'll see if I've <laughs> earned it at the end. All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to hear all about Wayzata and the different things that, that they do in the different partnerships. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water, using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. The 
The John Freakin' Muir Pod is sponsored by Outdoor Vitals, the ultralight backpacking gear company whose mission is to improve the mental, physical, and emotional health of mankind by facilitating impactful outdoor experiences. Outdoor Vitals creates innovative technical products with confidence inspiring education that empower outdoor ultralight adventurers. Their focus on performance enables you to live ultralight with gear you can actually be confident with. Whether you're looking for an ultralight sleep system, shelter, or pack, or if you're looking for top quality apparel for the trail, you can find it at Outdoor Vitals. Do yourself a favor. Live ultra light. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like... My creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We are talking to Doc Two, also known as Adam Ward from Wayzata. And we heard about his uh, his current state of affairs and uh, how he grew up and what got him involved in all this. But let's let's pivot now and talk about what Legend was really hyped about, and that is uh, Wayzata. And so, first of all, tell me about how you came up with the name uh, for Wayzata, and you know what is it that you guys actually produce? Sure. So let's uh, let's do the name story first. Okay. Uh, so in uh, in Minnesota, there is a town called Wyzetta. Um, and in the town of Wyzetta, there is a cabin on a lake uh, with a fire pit and several empty gin bottles uh, after our COVID getaway vacation with my family and Roberts um, a few years ago. And uh, we didn't know how to pronounce the name of the town and we kept calling it Wyzetta. Uh, and that turns out to be a fun thing to scream out over the lake in the middle of the night. Um, it does wake the kids up and rile your partners, but nonetheless, we enjoyed it. Uh, so when our neighbors said, are you the ones yelling the town name wrong? And we said, yes. Um, we figured that was as good a name as any for, a, for this new company that we were going to start. So Wayzata is, that's the town that we thought we were in when we bet on ourselves and started a company. Okay. And what was the, what's the inspiration? Who came up with the idea for, for Wayzata and the products that, that it produces? Yeah. So um, our company started really after that Goggins challenge that we talked about last mm-hmm. segment. So we finished this Goggins challenge and we wanted to do something fun. Um, were we going to get trophies or t-shirts? Like we should have something to celebrate. We just did a freaking awesome thing. Right. Um, and at the time I was 3d printing a bunch of personal protective equipment for frontline folks. Um, so like headbands that would hold face shields for them, uh, more like little brackets that kept their masks off of their ears um, for, for some of those early masks that really were not very comfortable to wear. Um, and so Robert said, hey, could you 3D print 
the Goggins challenge. Uh, I thought, I don't know. Can I? Like, what does it even mean to 3D print this run that we just went on? Um, and so, yeah, that that week after the Goggins, we um, we took the data off of our smartwatches because, of course, if it's not on Strava, it didn't happen. Everybody knows this. Um, so we took the data from Strava and said, well, how do we print it? And so we first we just kind of traced it and we printed a, a like a flat plan view of it. And you could see the roads and that was OK, I guess. Um, and then Robert took the data and said, well, what if I stretch it based on the elevation? So you could actually see where you ran uphill and downhill and where is it steep and uh, where is it flat? And so, you know, within a week of finishing the Goggins, we had our very first product. So we, we took data off of our smartwatches, turned it into a 3D model that showed the elevation. Uh, and then we actually made custom prints of it. And so we built those for all of our friends uh, because, hey, we, you know, we finished these things. And so we took the data off everybody's smartwatches. Um, and so everybody got their own print. And they all turned out to be a little bit different because some groups ran fast and they went on different routes than other people, right? So everybody's was a little bit different. And so we had their names on there and everybody got them and we just kept playing with these things. Uh, and then on that, on that infamous camping trip up to YZ, uh, we had brought one with us and, you know, we just couldn't stop playing with it and looking at it and saying, oh, we went for a run this morning. I wonder what the run this morning looked like. And so we oh, well, we still have that computer code. Let's like drop the data in one end and spit a 3D model out the other end. Um, yeah, so we, you know, all of a sudden we, we couldn't stop checking it out and thought, well, if we think this is cool, I bet other people could think this is cool. Um, yeah, so, you know, fueled, fueled by a little bit of pride. And, and as I said, a little bit of gin, which happens to be our favorite uh, spirit to enjoy. Uh, we decided... Um, late one night or early one morning that we were going to uh, start a new company. Fantastic. And you know, how, how big are these, these models? What, what is the actual size of them? The dimensions? Yeah. So um, these models, we typically go, you know, about um, like half a sheet of paper would be a good size to have in your mind. A sheet of paper would be about the biggest that we've ever done um, in plan view. And then we can stretch them as tall as you like, but, they usually end up being about four to six inches tall is kind of where they, where they look good. Um, yeah, but we will, uh, you know, I know you've seen them doc. We'll get you some nice photos and videos of these things printing that you'll be able to share with followers too. Um, yeah, but we, you know, what we think is really cool is it takes this thing that is digital, right? You finish your run, you see it on Garmin, you see it on Strava. Like we've all seen that a hundred times. It, it looks like the map quest directions that my mom used to print out, right? It's a line on, on a page mm -hmm. and fine. Those are not unique anymore, but like you can own it. You can grab that thing, the Moab that you just ran, right? You can make it tangible. And then all of a sudden you look at it and you go, man, I remember that climb because that is where I thought I wasn't going to make it. And the runner from behind me said, let's just go together for 10 minutes right? And you instantly connect to those memories and to those achievements because you can see it right in front of your face. Um, so yeah, we, we fell in love with doing this and we put them, we, we propped up a website and put them online and thought, oh, this will be fun. 
maybe someone will stumble across this and some other, you know, tech nerd will see what we did and think, oh, I want one of those things too. Um, yeah, so this was this was like September 2019 or so. We we launched as a business and started selling little custom products that no one needs that show off something that they deserve to be proud of. Yeah, and in addition to the unique uh, maybe elevation or course, are you also able to personalize it in other ways? Hundred percent. Yeah. So we, you know, we started out with this really generic, abstract-looking product, um, and everything we sell is because our customers have asked for it. Neither of us knows beans about product design or um, aesthetics or anything like that. So we started selling these, and then you know, a customer would say, "Hey, could you could you put my name on the side of it?" Or could you put my trail name on the side of it and the dates that I was out hiking the, you know, the long trail? Oh yeah, I'd be happy to do that. And another customer would say, I saw that one you did of the long trail. Could you guys mount that like on a flat base plate and you could show the roads or show the lakes on there. So it's kind of got a map around it. Well, I don't know. I've never tried that before. Yeah. Let's, let's give it a whirl. And somebody else goes, Hey, you know, I, I have a belt buckle from that race. I don't wear belt buckles. Could you like put a little wedge on there so I can set my belt buckle next to it and like display it? Well, I never thought of that before. And uh, yeah, so customers have just taken it in all sorts of fun ways. Um, the Maybe the, the best way to sum it up, Doc, is, you know, my goal is to print one of something. Uh, if you were going to mass produce these things, you shouldn't come to us. That's not what we want to do. And we're not in the business of making a thousand of some generic event, right? We make the one, we make the one print of your exact data from your achievement. It's got your name, your time. You have worked with me, a real human to design it. You own a one of a kind way to show off and celebrate your achievement. And that's, that's what we're in this for, right? Every one of our customers come to us because they are proud. They're excited. They've done something amazing and they want to share it and they want to remember those memories. Like what, what business can you fathom where people only show up because they're excited and positive? Like every day of my life is like the finish line of a 5k where people are just cheering and in a good mood. It's amazing. That's what I'd love to do is just talk to people who are happy all the time and excited and not, uh, you know, complaining and angry. So, man, I'm, I'm in the wrong profession. <laughs> hey, why weren't we having this conversation four years ago when we, when we finished the, uh, the John Muir Trail? Instead of getting my, my fellow hiking buddies uh, an engraved oversized beer mug, I would, I would have had a, a Wazada product. This would have been fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it's never too late, Doc, and you know a guy, so you might uh, find a few of those showing up in your mailbox. Um, yeah, but, but you're spot on, right? We, we frame the bib from crossing the finish line at the Boston Marathon. We etch something on a beer mug, right? So this is just another evolution of that. Instead of it being a generic object, like a coffee cup, mm -hmm. it's custom built for you, one of a kind. And in this day and age, we can do it. It's not hard. Yeah. You can always point to that. And, you know, it's hard, it's hard to point to the beer mug and say, Oh, I remember Forrester pass, but you know, pointing at this 3d model that has the elevation on it that shows that's Forrester pass, you know, that's something. Yeah, for sure. So what, uh, how has the business grown since September of 2019? 
Yeah. So we, uh, can you quit your day job yet? I, I have not, uh, but I have one of the (laughs) sweetest day jobs known to man. Right. right? I get to nerd out about things that I'm passionate about all day. And then I spend my nights and weekends on Wayzata, which is more nerding out about a different set of things I love. Uh, My partner, Robert has uh, actually half time in Wayzata now. So he's transitioning from his prior job to making a career of this. Um, So the business has, you know, in 18 months here, we've grown to the point where a, you know, a grown adult person with a family to support is transitioning away from his prior employment to this. Um, So that's a good, that's a good sign for business or that I have a really risk uh, tolerant partner in the company, maybe both. (laughs) (laughs) We, um, but no, you know, in, in seriousness, stock, we, we put some photos of this on the web and I'm pretty sure that our friends and, and our wives especially thought we were nuts, but Hey, it gave us something to do on the weekends. Um, and it's just been outstanding the response that we get from people. So, you know, we, we post some photos of it on Instagram. We, uh, we go to races and, and hang out at the finish line, hawking these things. And everybody goes, I've never seen anything like that. Right? And that makes us feel like we are just hitting a sweet spot here. Right. If this was the next best mouse trap and you've seen 19 things just like it, but we added glitter, that's not inspiring, right? You don't quit your job for that. Um, but we hear so many people, right? Never seen anything like it. I had no idea that was possible. How do I get one? Right? Those are the three responses we get. And so we are apparently we're we're catching this wave of people's excitement over, you know, celebrating the things that frankly they should be celebrating putting their achievements out there and and showing them off a bit. And we're going to ride that wave as long as we can. We're super excited about it. Now, Adam, how cool is that, that, you know, there's 8 billion people on the planet and, you know, how many, how many thousands upon thousands of years of, of human history. And, you know, I always, I always kind of say to myself, you know, every, every thought that's been had has been had by somebody else. I mean, there, it's very difficult to be original because, of the sheer number of people and uh, folks out there in, in history that you know have done stuff like this before, but you you guys have, have struck upon something that is you know brand new and uh, totally original. Like like you said, you know people are their reactions are we've never seen anything like this. I mean that is that that right there is just plain cool. You make me blush, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my goal. At least once an episode, yeah. trying to get the the guest to blush. I mean, in, in fairness, I definitely thought Robert was full of it when he goes, Hey, can you 3d print this run? Like, like that's a very weird series of words to put together. You know? <laughs> right. That's exactly you know, like, it. Like, can you make a cereal out of this airplane? Like that's a nonsensical <laughs> statement, right? I don't know what you're talking about, but uh, yeah, we're just, yeah. Lucky right place, right time combination of skill sets. So you know, the sort of 3D design and 3D printing is a skill set I've had. And uh, Robert is a computer scientist, so he's super strong on data workflows and manipulating things. And uh, yeah, it's it's been an awesome partnership and we both get to learn new things from each other along the way. So we're we're growing, we're making people happy. We're sending some joy out into the world every time we ship a product. Um, yeah, so we're we're loving that part of it. Sounds like a winning combination. Now, do you guys just do, uh, say, models for runs? Or what, what, what kinds of models have, have you produced? 
Yeah, people have found more, <clears throat> more applications than we ever dreamed possible. Um, so we started on running because that's mainly who we are. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, hiking is an easy extension from there. Um, so I've printed some hikes from my own past. Um, Greenstone Ridge Trail up on Isle Royal being my favorite hike. Um, and then people would reach out and they'd say, hey, can, can you do that for a road trip? I don't know. Can I, what do you mean? Can I do it for a road trip? Like, Oh yeah. On Google maps, like here, I'll show you where I went. My family drove across the country. Could you print where we drove and like put a little star where we stayed at hotels or where we saw sites that were memorable? Yeah, I think we could do that. Um, mountain biking, road bikers, those folks have reached out to us. Could we print those activities? Um, some of the more unique ones we've done lately uh, one person, their father has a favorite Formula One track. Um, so I'm not into Formula One. I didn't know that really that we all that we should have favorite tracks. But I guess if you're into it, there's races you watch every year. Um, and so we grabbed the topography for that track and actually printed that one out. Um, another really fun one are a rock crawling club. So the folks who have their like their big, you know, lifted Jeeps on the trailers and stuff. Right. They did like a week long rock crawl with their local group. And so we printed the, you know, they could trace out on a map where they went and then we went and digitized it and printed their routes. Um, you know what this, a, you know, this, this just proves to me that, you know, people who are involved in outdoor adventure, they, and I've said this many times, my listeners are going to say, Oh, here he goes again, but they, they tend to have obsessive personalities, right? They, they, this is their hobby. This is what they're, they love to do it. They are obsessive about it. They plan for it. When they're done with it, they analyze what they did. They look back at the, you know, many people have spreadsheets, detailed spreadsheets of everything that took place on a, on a, on a through hike. And so this is just another way that they can continue to obsess and look at and analyze and see it in a new perspective. I mean, it's, it's just, it, it's in the wheelhouse. It's fantastic. And I well, cut you maybe, off because I know I know you want to talk about the the ski run uh, one that that you and I had talked about um, prior to this episode. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say actually I'm 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 with you now on people's hobbies and obsessions, Doc. Like, you know what we think is super cool about this is um, I know that you keep your spreadsheets right, like you're analyzing your pace and your cadence and all of that. Have you ever tried to show that to somebody and explain to them how much you love your hobby through a spreadsheet? No, <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't translate. That, that doesn't translate. And so you've got what pictures on your phone. I have a thousand pictures on my phone, right? Yeah. We all have pictures on our phone. So that doesn't stand out. So mm -hmm. what, what we have been thinking is really fun is this. It's a thing and people can get it right. It's tangible. You can point to it. You can yeah. use it to tell a story. And uh, that, that seems to be maybe the real differentiator that people are loving about it is not only is it right in the wheelhouse for the, the individual who's obsessed about their hobby, but they actually have a way to share it. And the people at work don't roll their eyes right away. <laughs> they maybe even get excited along with them, you know, mm -hmm. it lets you draw people in. Yeah. You know, when I, when I take my camera out to show pictures uh, to my family and friends at, at, you know, gatherings that we have, um, I want to show off my, my through hikes and the pictures from the through hikes. They, they see me coming and they, they run the other way. When I, when I am able to corner somebody, they say, Oh yeah, that's a nice picture. And I'm like, no, it's not nice. This is, this is a life-changing experience. This place is just magnificent. 
And is this uh, is holding our iPhones toward other people? <laughs> is this the modern equivalent of a slideshow? Yes. Like, hey, we're gonna darken the windows. Doc's <laughs> gonna get the projector out. He's got to warm up the bulb. We're gonna all sit here for an hour. Yeah. And, and even after I explained to them how, how life-changing this experience was, they look back at the picture and they say, yeah, that's nice. I'm like, oh, you just don't get it. And, <laughs> and one of my previous guests, Jay Wilson, he put it, he put it perfectly. He said that, you know, it's the frustration of using thousand word pictures because that picture's worth a thousand words, right? Using thousand word pictures for million word places. <laughs> I thought that was that was perfect. You know, sums it up. It just doesn't come across in pictures unless you are using some extreme camera equipment and you've got the the professional eye and and everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, which Josh Endress in his his uh, huge tabletop coffee coffee table book of of the Sierras just did a fantastic job with that. I mean, that those are really close. They're not maybe not million word, but they're they're close to million word pictures. <laughs> but this is a, you know Wayzata. This is another way. Uh, to 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 demonstrate, to show, and and put into perspective, you know what what you went through. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It just you know different different ways to help people tell the story, right? And you know the I mean, for me, I talk about showing it off and and the story, but it helps me remember my own achievements too, right? Like. This the same way you look at a photograph, right? And it's a thousand word photo, but you lived it. So you've got the 10 billion word version of it locked away in your noggin, right? That's right. And so that picture is just a way for you to trigger that memory. And that's what these, that's what our products do for me as well, right? I don't look at the product on the shelf and necessarily analyze every switchback on a trail, right? but I do look at it and I remember what day that was. That was Tuesday morning and it was cold as hell when we had to break camp that morning, but we did it anyway. And we trudged up the thing and, you know, we came across a, a flock of sandhill cranes, like six feet away from us that we never would have seen. That's my, yeah. that's my Isle Royal one that I'm looking yep, at right now. There you go. All them migrating. <laughs> <laughs> so have you had any, uh, any customers that we would, we would recognize their names? Any, any, uh, experts out there yeah so we've got um you know we've we've got a couple of customers that that either you or your audience might know um so legend who connected us with you in the first place Uh um one of the very first prints we sold was um to his partner at the time bought him a uh a print for his fkt on the colorado trail um so that one was pretty awesome and then the other few that folks might recognize that I think are also okay with me sharing their story would be um, actually the last two winners of the Moab 240. Um, so this year was um, the low, the low carb runner. And uh, last year was Mickey Greglia. Uh, and so we reached out to both of them and just said, Hey, what you did was amazing. Can we just send you a print? Uh-huh. Uh, and they loved it. It's um, yeah. So one of the, we've sold, we've sold or given away a lot of prints, uh, as well. We do a, we do a pay it forward effort. So we have a couple of, we have a couple of like chains of pay it forwards going right now where we, we just see somebody who's done something cool and we call them up or hit them on Instagram and say, Hey, you did a cool thing. We'd love to send you one of these. Uh, and by the way, if you get it and like it, tell me who else deserves one. 
Um, so one of our chains is I think 17 people long already of, uh, right. You did a cool thing who deserves a cool thing. Uh, and stuff comes out of the woodwork that, right. It's not always modern. It's like, Oh my God, I heard of this woman who did this thing 28 years ago. If I find her address, can you figure out what she did? Totally. Um, so we have lots of customers, uh, that are not people who are out there finishing 200s and winning them. We have a lot of people who are like, actually our best customers are like the people who come in dead last in races, right? Because if you train for it and you win these things all the time, it's actually maybe not quite as special or amazing for you, right? But when you come in dead last in the Moab 240, you freaking finish the Moab 240. And right. you get the loudest cheers because everybody else is already there. Like those people who are doing things that they never thought were possible, they turn out to, to place way more orders than the really high profile folks do. In fact, um, yeah, those, you know, that those weekend warriors are really in it because they're passionate about it. That's right. I mean, let's face it. 99% of us are not measuring ourselves against anybody else except ourselves and, you know, being able to, to do these things, just get them done. And to be able to commemorate it like this is, is fantastic. So Adam, is there, are there any other products you do besides the, the three, 3D printed models? Yeah, so we, we started on the 3D prints um, and then we started sending customers sneak previews. So, hey doc, you made this order, right? Let me send you a model of what that's gonna look like. And so we would build the 3D model and send you some screenshots of it, okay? And then people said back, well, that's cool. What's it look like from the other angle? I wish I could spin it. And so, okay, let's make it now on our website. You can spin it. And then people would say, that looks great. I'll take my order. But there's one more thing, right? My daughter just did this awesome hike with her Girl Scout troop. Could you show me what hers would look like? Hey, my cousin across the country just, you know, just hiked the Pacific Crest Trail. What does that one look like? And people started asking us for visualizations that they weren't ordering. They just wanted to see these routes in 3D. Um, and so that's been a huge pivot for us in the last uh, nine months or so, in addition to the 3D prints, which we still love to produce, love to sell and celebrate um, what people do. We actually have it now self-serve on our website. So you can come check out any trail that you've ever hiked or plan to hike on our site. Um, we've got a big library that you can search through. It's got every 14er in it, for example. Um, but you can also upload. So you can connect to your Strava profile or just upload a, a GPX, which is what most of us are using on our handhelds anyway. Uh, and so without us even having to be involved, people can see this stuff in 3D. You can spin it around. You can animate it. You can hit the share button and text it to your grandma or whatever it is you want to do with these images. Um, and so that's been really exciting for us because it means you have a way to engage with us that doesn't require you to make a purchase and it doesn't require a 3D print, right? Not every run you go on deserves to be on the trophy wall, right? But checking them out uh, is actually part of my workflow, right? So I have definitely, I'm a guy who now picks where he runs because I want it to look cool when I see it in 3D and text it to Robert, <laughs> Wow. Cause and effect right there. You, you're, you're making decisions now based on what the, what the Wayzata product's going to look like. No, and it's got me running a lot more hills than my thighs would like. 
Well, that's great. And you guys are doing some incredible things at Wayzata. Has have uh, you picked up any partners along the way? Yeah, so we've got um, we've got a handful of partners. So the ones that we're really proud of, um, we partner with the Arizona Trail Association and the Ozark Trail Association. Um, so those are two of the National Scenic Trail Network in the states. And what's really fun about those is we kick our profits back to them. So anytime that we print an Arizona trail or an Ozark trail, whether the person asks us to or not, whether they found us through those trail associations, we give 15% of our profits back to the trail association. Uh, and the idea there is, right, people are only able to place those orders because the trails exist. So we're happy to support the trail associations. We send them free products for giveaways as well. Um, and we kick a little bit of profit back their way to give back to the community. So in the next year, we're hoping to expand that out to not just National Scenic Trails, but really any organization that would want to partner. Um, we're making a buck because they make these adventures possible. Seems like that's an easy win for everybody. Uh, and we've been in touch with the team over at fastestknowntime.com uh, to get our visualizations embedded on their website. And so in the, next, in the next several months here, we should start to see not just 2D maps over at um, FKT, but hopefully start to see three-dimensional previews of all of these routes as well. So those are the biggest ones. Um, we've done some race organizer partnerships, um, mostly for fundraisers, our local MCA, uh, YMCA. Um, there's a race called Hoosiers Outrun Cancer that we've partnered with and, and kicked profits back to them as well. Um, but you know, that's part of our DNA. When we started the company, we were both already old enough and had careers and families and mortgages and all of that. So we started the company because it was fun. And that means we get to do things like this. We don't have to make a buck on every event. We can give money away because it's a good cause. We can send free products out in the world to do this, pay it forward because we like to. Um, so that's really been the, the best part of Wayzata is you know, figuring out how do we take a thing that's exciting for us, uh, and it is a business, and we are trying to, you know, ultimately make this our careers, but along the way, not forget where we came from and not forget, you know, giving back to the trail associations that make it all possible for us or the race organizers who put these events on. Well, on our behalf and on their behalf, I want to thank you and congratulate you for all these great things that you guys are doing. This is just a feel-good story. I mean, around every, 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 Time you open your mouth, something else fantastic drops out of it and uh, just gives me the chills. So, uh, fantastic job, Adam. Thank you. Hey, Watch number two. <laughs> hey, when uh, when people walk away with uh, either interacting with you online or uh, receiving one of your products in, in the mail, what, what do you want them to walk away with? What, what do you hope their experience is? So, yeah, I. I hope the folks we interact with see us as their own personal cheering section. Um, you know, we're not here to tell you what place you came in or if you would have pushed harder, you could have done X amount better or something, right? We're here because we think what you're doing is amazing. Uh, I, you know, I, I've talked about people coming in at the end of races. Um, that's not just a guess. I have had the experience of coming in dead last in a 5k, um, only because my wife said we'd finish at the same time. And then she pushed me back right at the last moment. Uh, but nonetheless, I took home the last place prize. And, you know, at that moment in my life, the fact that I made the finish line without having a heart attack was something I was proud of. And so that was a big achievement for me. And that's one that sticks in my head a lot. 
right? I'm, I'm almost assuredly never going to make a podium, never going to win a race. Uh, and that doesn't mean I'm not proud and that I don't deserve to celebrate. So at Wayzata, I mean, that to me, that that's baked in. We are the cheering section. We're here because we think you're worth it. We're not here to hear you say, oh, I could have come in one place sooner or geez, I wish, right? We're here because you freaking did it. You went out and you did a thing and that thing is worthwhile. And by the time you have found us, it's definitely like, you know, it's worthwhile because you're looking for a way to commemorate it or looking for a way to show it off. So yeah, when, when people walk away from us, you know, I hope it's nothing but positive vibes. I hope they think, you know, I would genuinely love to hop on Zoom or get on the phone or whatever, hear their story. What made it so epic for them? Why is it worth celebrating? Like, I want to know that the highlight, the highlight of this company is that we get to meet people who do amazing things and are proud of them and want to celebrate them. Absolutely. The most fun part of this job is just the community that we've, that we've stumbled into. That's fantastic. And you know what, uh, Adam, I want to be, I want to be an unofficial partner with you. Uh, I'm not looking to get anything out of this other than a link that I can put on my link tree on my social media to point people in your direction and uh, to have this experience. So we'll get that. We'll get that taken care of. Deal. All right. So what's next for Adam, Robert and Wayzata? Yeah. Thanks for asking, Doc. So uh, Robert is our first paid employee. So as of January, uh, he actually draws a paycheck from the company which means a thing that has been nothing but sucking our time and resources is actually starting to generate uh, some ability to support our families. So that's super exciting for us. Um, Robert's on the team and we've got a new developer working with us part-time rolling out some new digital services. Um, Our website just got a big overhaul. In fact, you are the very first person I'm telling about it right now. Um, So we've rolled out a whole bunch of new stuff on the back end. Beyond that, you know, what's next for Wayzata is we're going to keep doing what our customers ask. Uh, thus far, we haven't had to convince our customers to come along. We've had not had to talk anybody into it or trick anybody into our platform. Uh, we just listen. And when people say, hey, could you do it like X? We say, I don't know. Let's try it. Um, so that's our game plan is we're going to keep building the things that people ask for. And our hope is that by doing so and genuinely enjoying what we get to do here, uh, business is going to keep growing. So, you know, in, in a year, I'm hoping to report to you that Robert is full-time in the business. And a year after that, uh, the hope will be that I'm transitioning in as well because we are, yeah, we're not slowing down. We, we have nothing but opportunities of things people have asked for and new features that are on the roadmap. So yeah, keep, Keep checking out the website because there will be new tools rolling out on a monthly basis this year. That's great. We wish you the, the best of luck. Hey, Adam, you know where we are right now? No idea. I'm in England. You are in England. That's right. But here <laughs> in the episode, we're at that segment where I ask you for your pro tip inside of the week. You've had uh, you know more than an hour to think about this now. So I'm hoping for some juicy piece of wisdom we can share with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. Ooh, their outdoor experience. I was going to give the pro tip of prepare so that doc doesn't blindside you with a required segment when you start the podcast interview. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, um, yeah, my, my, my pro tip uh, is that I think it's really easy for us to be in the office or in the grind and then dreaming about getting outdoors. And then it's really easy to be out there and think, oh, there's a million things I should be doing. So I'm going to say my pro tip of the week is to be there when you're there, right? If you're going out for your hike or your run, don't take your email with you. Don't try to stay plugged in, turn the ringer off, right? If you're going to dream about this passion for five days a week and burn all your vacation days to make it real, then be fully invested in it when you're there. That's my pro tip of the week. Does that work? Absolutely. Be present. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Adam. Want to thank him for joining us this week. Adam, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? Yeah, on social media, we're on all platforms at Wayzata. And you can always check us out at Wayzata.com. Okay. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have any comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakamir at gmail.com. Adam, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, movie, a documentary, some kind of adventure media to keep our listeners connected to the outdoor experience. We're calling this our adventure media recommendation. What do you have for us? Yeah. Um, so I've got a book um, called Alone in Wonderland by Christine Reed. Um, So this was, I think she self-published this um, about a year ago. Uh, And this is, you know, this is in the vein of the solo hiker documenting not only their experience, but what they're thinking about and their, you know, their internal monologue along the way. Um, And so this is um, the Wonderland Trail, unsurprisingly. Mm -hmm. And what I really, what I liked about this, uh, not just that it's, you know, it's a fun and easy read. um, It's in the it's in the genre. But so for me, I've never had the experience of being a woman hiking alone, right? And so the inner monologue, uh, of course, we're all different in the experiences that we have, but this one came from a really different perspective. Um, and frankly, from a, a non-traditional perspective. So we don't see a lot of solo hiking by women broadly as an activity, let alone people taking the time to write about it uh, and you know publish it in an intriguing way to read. So Alone in Wonderland by Christine Reed is my recommendation for adventure media. All right. I've got to get that on my, on my Kindle here and take a, take a read. That sounds very good. And before we wrap things up, I got one more segment for you called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? Yeah. So one thing you haven't asked about is, you know, are the families involved in this? Uh, And so one of the really exciting things uh, that we do is make this a family enterprise, Um, not so much with our partners, but our kiddos. Um, So my eight and 10 year olds are involved in the shipping process. They're the ones wrapping things up in bubble wrap and circling the boxes and tape, um, sticking shipping labels on. Uh, Robert's 13 year old is also helping out on the shipping side. Um, But most excitingly, uh, she took a engineering class this year in middle school. And so she started learning 3D design. Uh, And so we are getting her up to speed and actually bringing on a new design assistant to help us keep up with orders. So her first paid job will actually be at a company that her dad owns. And we're super excited to have all the kiddos helping us out and let them see, you know, you can put work in and you can make something happen in this world. Now, is she getting a, a, a fair wage or is this an unpaid internship? I'm going to say somewhere <laughs> in between the two. I'm not, I'm not sure if, if I'm allowed to disclose her wages. 
<laughs> it's, a, it's an off book employee. Let's say that, but she okay. will take things like ice cream and cookies in payment. So that helps. There you go. There you go. Okay. <laughs> so that's a wrap from the John freaking Mirror studio. Any shout outs to friends and family, Adam? Uh, partners, Melissa and Beata for supporting us through this uh, crazy adventure and having faith in us to let us try this thing. Okay. Well, thank you for tuning in and always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if your wife pushes you at the last moment and you finish dead last. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. <laughs>